You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to amazing episode 84 of the Apple Insider Podcast, where we discuss all things Apple, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, and more. Joining me is the inestimable Neil Hughes, managing editor of Apple Insider. Hey, Victor, how's it going? Fantastic. Good. And other superlatives. <laughs> if I can even get that word out. So I want to start off by talking about some deals, right? You can grab the lowest prices on iMacs and MacBooks with AppleCare up to $430 off with exclusive coupons. And all readers can use exclusive coupons this week to get the lowest prices anywhere on a 27-inch iMac 5K or 15-inch MacBook Pros and the remaining stock of 2015 12-inch MacBooks bundled with AppleCare. Uh, we have a list of all of these offers on our website. I'm going to go ahead and link it to them. Um, they're, they're through Apple-authorized reseller Adorama, and they're exclusively offered to Apple Insider readers. Um, basically, the models that we have linked are $190 to $430 off with the promo code APINSIDER. And on top of the coupon savings, shipping's free, and Adorama is not collecting sales tax on orders shipped outside of New York and New Jersey. These are the lowest prices available from any authorized reseller by about $40 to $290. So I'm going to go ahead and link to that in the show notes, and you guys can take advantage of those deals. I really like that we have partners that do that. Those are some good deals. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. Totally. The event. The event is happening on September 7th. That is six full days from now as we record. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, so Apple sent out invitations on Monday for uh, this year's September event. Uh, of course, Apple doesn't say what they're going to announce. They don't give any details because that's how they do things. But uh, if you're an avid Apple Insider reader or a listener to the podcast, you probably already have a pretty good idea of what we're going to get. And what we're going to get is new iPhones and uh, the invitation, putting an emphasis on the, uh, the date of the 7th, CU on the 7th, uh, has led to speculation that uh, it's confirming the iPhone 7 name since there was some question as to whether or not they would call it the iPhone 7. Um, and it's also expected that we're going to get a new second generation Apple Watch at the event, uh, maybe with a little bit bigger battery in it, faster processor and dedicated GPS, but no LTE radio. Let, let me ask you, sometimes people try and look at the invitation and the graphics of it and try and divine from the graphics what it means. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was, there's, that's a, something that people have done for a while. And I don't know why they do it. They're always looking for like secret hints in there and there never are any. What does uh, it mean, Neil? What's it mean? Yeah, I think it's just the nature of Apple that gets people excited. Um, but yeah, so like I remember, uh, we did, we did a story back when the WWDC announcement came out and, uh, there was a, the, the invitation had like 10 lines of code that were all references to popular apps on the app store. And then the 11th line was something about like, what will you create or whatever? And people were trying to read into that and say 11 lines, they're going to make the new Mac OS OS 11 and like all this stuff. And, you know, it was just like people no. were reading into it way too much. Skipping version numbers is something Microsoft did. And the only reason that Microsoft did it is because, they went from Windows 8 to Windows 10. And the only reason they went to Windows 10 is because they had old legacy code hanging around in Windows that said, anything that starts with Windows 9X, therefore, refers to 95 and 98 and Millennium. 
Well, I mean, Windows 7 was a meaningless name, too. It had it wasn't like the seventh version of Windows, no matter how you counted them. It didn't even make any sense. It well, they, they a- wanted to get off of the year thing, and they wanted to get off and away from, from XP and Vista and, and other fancy names. They wanted to get back to sequential something. Who knows? It, it's it's yeah. all it's all branding nonsense, and really, that's the same thing you could say about the iPhone. You know, people are going to get worked up over: is it called this? You know, the, the iPhone Seven? Is it called the iPhone Six SE? Is it called whatever? Well, the shift. I mean, they could SE call it a big shift too. They could call it the 2016 iPod for all you, you care. It's still. Uh, uh, it's just a name on a product. Whatever they do, as long as they don't call it the new iPhone, I will be happy. I think because that, invariably, when they did that with the i the third iPad, the third generation iPad was yeah, called the new iPad. That was annoying. They, and and suddenly the new iPad was the old one because they introduced the fourth generation. So for crying out loud, never call it the new product. Yeah, the the naming conventions on the iPad have been pretty schizophrenic. It was iPad, iPad 2, new iPad, then the latest new iPad, then iPad Air, then iPad Air 2, and now we're iPad Pro. So, I mean, it's like all over the place. Um, It'll be interesting to see because there's rumors of a slightly larger iPad coming next year. If they make a new iPad Air and then have two different lines or like a low-end iPad and then an iPad Pro or something like that, as they've done with the MacBook lineup, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, what's in a name? Who cares? The, the the rumors and a lot of the evidence coming out right now is that they're going to call it the iPhone 7. And that makes sense for a lot of reasons. Yes, it looks a lot like the iPhone 6S. But from a branding perspective and from a marketing perspective, Apple can – if they were to name it the iPhone 6SS or some crap like that, um, then people could point and say, see, it's not that big of an upgrade. They couldn't even name it differently. But if they call it an iPhone 7, then Apple can try to justify the name in some way and say, this is, yeah, it looks almost the same on the outside, but the internal changes and the improvements are so huge on the camera and the processor and everything else that this truly is a next generation leap in, you know, that's how they'll spin it. That's how they're going to market it. They set themselves up for even more of a problem and a PR problem if they didn't call it the iPhone 7. I think they kind of have to. Yeah. So uh, we have an article about a sticker claiming to be from a returned iPhone 7 prototype at Foxconn that people are using to justify the the raising of the base storage on the device to 32 gigabytes. So the, the diagnosis of this sticker, right, the analysis of the sticker says that this was from prototype 1902 out of 3,000 prototypes, that it was prototype variety or type D10, and that it was returned on August 29th, and that it was a 32-gig white silver phone. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. We have that leak, and then we have all these packaging leaks. There were three of them over the last two days um, that repeatedly show a 32-gig model, uh, which Apple has not done in a few years. They got rid of the 32-gig and went from 16 to 64 um, for the f- between the tiers. So... Mm-hmm. Um, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think it's pretty safe to say that this year's entry-level model is probably going to have 32 gigs of storage, and it looks like on the high end they're going to have a uh, 256 model. So <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see, do they do four different capacities? Do they do 32, 64, 128, 256? Do they eliminate the 64 and do like they did before, but now have it be 32, 128, 256? Um I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did four different capacities uh, just because it's an easy $100 upsell for a 256 for like a really high-end model. 
Well, and and having that and having them be 100 between all of the tiers means that the new top one is even 100 more than they would have collected otherwise. Right. So uh, I, I think I think that would be smart. 32 on the base level uh, have four different capacities. Uh, people can't complain anymore about how small the 16 gig is, whatever. Well, and the other reason why that works is that um, – you know, Apple is is apparently, as we talked about with the iPad line just a minute ago, not afraid of having a lot of different SKUs floating around. So well, that, adding one more storage level, which means knock-on effect of four different U.S. SKUs or, um, you know, worldwide more SKUs for all the different carriers is not a, a thing that bothers them, apparently. Well, that's where things get kind of interesting. So, as I said, we have a few packaging leaks that came out uh, in the past couple days. So the first one was interesting because these are um, uh, spec sheets that go on the back of the box, right? The, the sticker. Mm-hmm. So the it says first includes one. an iPhone 7, includes whatever, includes the, the headphone jack adapter, includes a USB cable, a power adapter, supports GSM, UMTS, and all the other standards, and blah, blah, blah. Right. So the first one that came out last yesterday, uh, uh, it came out on Wednesday of this week, was interesting because it said not only 256 gigs, which – was rumored, but uh, we have never seen a phone that big. But also, uh, it said it included a lightning to headphone jack adapter. Now, prior to this leak coming out, conventional wisdom said Apple will not ship an adapter in the box because Apple doesn't do that. They've never done that. That's not their style. That's not how they do business. They basically yeah, say they make the adapter separately. You buy it, you want it. Right, you want it, you buy it. but it, you know they remove the CD drive with no apologies. They remove um, uh, floppy drive with no apologies. They switch from thirty pin to lightning with no apologies, no adapters, nothing. This is better for you, and here's why. So you, you had an old MacBook or an old uh, an old PowerBook. You buy the adapter to go to the display connector, right? Right. You don't have to have the display connector built into the laptop necessarily. So the, if they if if these leaks are accurate and it does include the lightning to headphone jack adapter, that is very interesting. And I don't like to get into the oh Steve never would have done this type of conversations, but Steve Jobs never would have included an adapter in the box. He would have said deal. You don't know. <laughs> so this you is you don't know, man. I, I think we have enough history of them not including adapters in the box to make a definitive statement on that one. However, regardless of that. Um, I, I think this might be representative of a kindler, gentler a- Apple. And I think, frankly, it's a good idea. I think they should include the adapter in the box to soften the blow of this. Now, um, then there was a second packaging leak. Now, I, I should qualify. These things are very easy to fake. It's just text on a white piece of paper. You can print a label, can't you, Neil? Any Anybody could do this. However, um, the second one that came out, also showed a lightning headphone jack adapter, and it showed a 32-gig model. So the first one that came out was for a 256-gig iPhone 7 Plus, and it had the name on there, iPhone 7 Plus. The second one that came out was for a 32-gigabyte iPhone 7. Now, a third one came out Thursday morning, and what makes the third one interesting, and again, this could be fake. We don't really know. We just kind of go with the best that we can. Dear listeners, Neil is printing labels as we speak. (laughs) So the third one that came out uh, says iPhone 7 Plus on it, and it shows AirPods wireless earphones included in the box without Okay, so I want to read the spec list from these different ones. Let's just read some stickers for a second here. So a 32-gig one, the sticker claims, includes an iPhone 7, 
EarPods with lightning connector, lightning to headphone jack adapter, lightning to USB cable and USB power adapter. So you get headphones with a lightning connector on them, presumably with a microphone. You also get the adapter, and then you get everything else that we normally get, which is, is something that we said would not happen, right? Not, not only did we say that, that it was silly to, to bundle the adapter, but that it was going to be a one or the other proposition. I don't think it's silly to bundle the adapter. I just didn't think Apple was going to do it. Fair enough. So it's not silly, but never mind. We just didn't think they were going to do it. But, but bundling both is also unusual, isn't it? The, Classically, you get three things in the box. You get a phone, you get a brick, and you get a, a, a power cable. Well, but, but and, that's and where – some the, days you didn't even get the power brick. But that's where these are interesting. So one of them shows both the lightning-connected headphones, which is a no-brainer. You knew they were going to include that because you got to have some form of headphones in the box, and they got to connect somehow. And then having the adapter for legacy headphones. But then the other packaging that came out for an iPhone Right, and I'm reading Plus. that one now. That's yeah. the 32-gig iPhone 7 Plus sticker. Right. says – that it includes an iPhone 7 Plus, AirPods wireless earphones, lightning to USB cable, USB power adapter. No adapter for traditional headphones. No lightning to headphones adapter. Right. So one of these is fake. Something's fake because the earlier ones just had capacities at the top without a product name. They say 32 gig, 64 gig. The one that came out on Thursday says 32 gig and then below it in big letters it says iPhone 7 Plus. I see that. Have you gone and looked at your, your old iPhone 6 box or your 6S box or your uh, SE box? I don't think I have it, but if I had uh, – I, I, let me Google and see what it has. I mean, I got a box upstairs. And, of course, that's, that's you know – So the box for the iPhone evidence. 6S Plus does not say iPhone 6S Plus at the top of the – The label here. It just says the capacity on the back. Okay, so the suspicious one is, if we're going to be suspicious, is this iPhone 7 Plus label that claims to have AirPods wireless earphones. Correct. These things are incredibly easy to fake, and it's possible Apple could have changed the... Do you have a printer? Can you buy stickers at Staples or Office Depot? So I, the reason I, I bring all that up is because you were talking about how many SKUs Apple has. Right. If, if all of these labels that leaked were legitimate, then that would suggest that Apple would be offering SKUs with and without these rumored new AirPods uh, wireless headphones. Okay, so that four different storage models now becomes eight because you've got the different headphone options. Well, and there's rumors they're going to have five different colors, too. Oh, oh just, let's just, just work with me on the basic math here, right? Eight options plus uh, times another eight carriers. So that's now 16 models. 16 times five, right? Is well, no, you, what, you have to. And, it's not just eight models because uh, with the you have to multiply them because you have to have the carrier with and without headphones at thirty two gig at sixty four gig. Okay, so sixteen. <laughs> I mean, you'd have like a hundred different configurations of iPhone potentially, and that's just for the U.S. as opposed to all of the other countries add on, because you have to ship them with the SIM cards set up for each of the other countries since they don't do activation through iTunes anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think, I, 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 to be clear, I don't think that this is legitimate. I don't think that they're going to have AirPods wireless earphones in the box. I think that it's going to have to be a separate purchase or it's in there. I don't think that they can do both. I don't think they can do, if you want to get a bundle upgrade or something, uh, that that 
would be the way they would do it. It's just too many SKUs. It's too confusing for the consumer. You're just going to make it even more difficult. You got to pick a color. You got to pick a capacity. You got to pick the headphones you want. And then it doesn't come with the adapter and all. It's just going to be, I, I think, I, I think it's, that would be a nightmare. What a nightmare. I, I and and what a total nightmare if you want, you know, you're trying to go into the shops and buy the thing and you're trying to buy it and you're waiting in line and they inevitably are not going to have in stock some of these, right? And, and so it doesn't does it make sense to have less SKUs and more availability. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say because the other thing uh, that makes this suspicious is uh, the text on it is centered, and isn't the label usually left justified? It or or full justified? Okay, so here's what's interesting. Uh, uh, one of our writers, Mike, took a look at his iPad Mini box this morning. Yeah, text on it is centered on the back of it. Yo, and which iPad Mini is that? Uh, I'd have to ask him, but he because we were trying to verify the ver- the legitimacy of this label. Label and the iPad Mini text is apparently centered. The iPhone text is left justified. Well, now you're gonna want me to go check my iPad Air boxes and see what they are. <sighs> All right, let's I'll put go, another edit note in, and I'll, I'll go, I'll go see if I can find my success box. Hold on a sec. All right, we'll be right back, listeners. All right, it is left justified. Yeah, and I checked all of mine, and and they're left justified as well. The iPad? Uh, my iPad Air is left justified, and my iPad Mini box is left justified. I mean, there's a border around the sticker, but it is clearly left justified. The right edge of the text is ragged. Mike said, huh, centered on the Mini box. I hadn't realized that. No, my mine is not centered. I'm going to have him snap a picture. Yeah, I did not snap pictures while I was upstairs, but no, that's fine. I, I, I have my um, success box here, and it's left justified. You would think that they would be very consistent about this. Thanks. I mean, it's Apple, where if you send an email internally and misspell a word, they write back and chide you that spelling counts. It's well, what makes it weird is it would make sense if the iPad box was centered because it's a bigger box or whatever, right? But the well, but they placed the sticker in the left corner of the thing. It's not centered on the box either. wonder what year this is. We'll see when he sends a pic. Huh. I, I hadn't even noticed, because Jeff would just really wanted this story up this morning. iPad Mini 2. Yeah, that's what I have. And yours is not centered? Uh, correct. His is. I have only ever owned Mini 1s and Mini 2s, and I don't have a counterfeit box, man. I've got a real Apple box. <laughs> Actually, I have a box close by here, I think. Hold on a second. So this one is exactly like the label we just saw. No, I, I don't have my newest iPad Mini 2 purchase down here. I, I got a couple upstairs, but I don't have the newest one down here. I thought I did. But, uh, but yeah, on all of my stuff, it's all left justified. So we've looked at a bunch of different boxes here. We've looked at a bunch of different labels, and all of our labels are for the most part with one exception they seem to be left justified on the text so it, it, the summary is it's easy to print a label right, right but we did find an iPad mini 2 that has centered text with the name of the product up top so even apple's not consistent in their product labels yeah and you know we didn't look deep enough to try and figure out if we could pin down what production or whatever but we have i have iPad mini 2 the one that's that's interesting and unusual the outlier here is also an iPad mini 2 so 
So the the point is, these leaks that come out, um, there are reasons to be skeptical of them, but you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, uh, just because they very well could be legitimate. And as much as we sit here and poo-poo the idea of uh, Apple shipping separate iPhone models with AirPods and with just a lightning to earpod connector or headphones, um, the reason that we put all this out there and the reason we talk about it on the podcast is because we don't really know. And there's no way of knowing until next week. Uh, I had an interesting conversation this week with a reporter from the New York Times who is uh, doing a story ahead of next week's event. And he was kind of coming at it with a, a, a theory that he had that um, – Perhaps Apple really likes websites like ours, Apple Insider, uh, because we help to soften the blow uh, for when they have bad news to announce. For example, uh, ditching the headphone jack. We've been reporting on it for a year now. Um, And the fact that they're presumably going to announce a phone next week without a headphone jack on it, uh, no one's going to be caught by surprise. Everybody's going to know that it was coming um, because uh, we've been reporting on it for a while. And so the people that are coming to Apple Insider, they're very informed. They pass it on to their friends who you know, maybe don't read the, the rumors every day or whatever. And so next week when Apple announces a phone without a headphone jack, everybody's just like, oh, okay, well, I kind of expected that because it was already, it was already known. That, that's a nice theory. Um, I don't really feel like it's accurate. I, I agree. I, I told uh, the guy um, – we talked for a while on the phone the other day about his story. That I mean it would be very nice to feel like Apple actually likes us for something, but no, <laughs> they don't. No, and, and me? I told him it's a double-edged sword because um, I gave him the example of uh, – it was. I looked it up. It was four years ago. It was the iPhone 5 was coming out, 2012. And there was a Fox uh, local news report in New York City uh, where a – uh, reporter and the editors that allowed it to go to air just went on YouTube and searched iPhone 5 and found a concept video of a th- impossibly thin phone that had a holographic image projector and uh, uh, absurd stuff and yeah. a, a uh, infrared keyboard that was like projected out on it and like stuff like that. It was crazy. And so the point I made to uh, this guy from the New York Times was Yes, uh, websites like Apple Insider and the media and whatever can help by getting stuff out there and setting the expectations properly. But really, our own imaginations are, in many ways, Apple's biggest uh, concern. Because when stuff like that comes out and people see it, especially if you don't follow technology from day to day, and you 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 overpromise on stuff that can't ever be delivered. I mean, it's physically impossible. You have to find the laws of physics. It has a negative effect on sales, right? Yeah. Because people are disappointed, which is stupid. But, you know, it, it makes me think about all the rumors about next year's phone and even reputable uh, guys out there like John Gruber at Daring Fireball are putting let's, out. Let's, let's stop right there and say this, because in the hierarchy of things that Apple likes in terms of media, Apple has no, no hesitance to play favorites. Right. right. We know for years that they've played favorites and, and they've said it publicly. Right. The old the old Steve Jobs uh, chewing out the the dot Mac team and saying even our own friend Walt Mossberg. Right. Is down on a dot Mac at the time. That was years ago. Well, Walt is at Recode. They still love Walt. They still bring Walt to all of the events, right? Or at least invite him to all of the events and he brings himself, whatever. Um, they love John Gruber. It's been easily four times now that that Phil Schiller and Cred Figurey and, and Eddie Q have hung out and talked to 
John talked to during Fireball, right. and, and even been on his podcast. Yeah, multiple right? times. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's clearly media they like, media that are their friends. They love uh, they love Mac stories. You know, they they love these guys, and that's great. Um, we are not on that beloved list. <laughs> no, we are not. Um, and, and we never will be because we are so strongly focused about the rumors rather than cheerleading the thing that they've just released, which we still do. But, but we're so the, the, the ethos of Apple Insider has always been about bringing rumors and covering the thing that's not there yet. And they can't cozy up to that. And, and the and other I, thing we're not that historically is, you know, if you go back to the, the old uh, lawsuit, right? Remember the, where – I'm sure you have it framed on your wall. I imagine Jeff does. Where we got named as an email that was a part of Discovery. Between Eddie Q and Steve Jobs. <laughs> yeah, it was a story that I wrote uh, where uh, someone, either Eddie emailed Steve or vice versa, and it was a story about a, a book publishing deal that had just been signed, and I guess no one at Apple knew about it, and they had read it on Apple Insider, so they had sent it back and forth, which was funny, you know. But you know, Apple Insider was also named in a in a lawsuit by uh, Apple trying to find out the leaker of a of a product years ago. That was before my time there, so I don't know a lot about going back twelve years is not helpful, but. Uh, <laughs> But, but the summary is that, that there's, there's media that's beloved by Apple. There's media that is not beloved by Apple. And we are among the list of, of things that get read but are not cozied up to. Right, we, which is good in many ways. We're comfortable I mean, with that. I, I think that, you know, I, obviously I would like to have a better relationship with Apple. Oh, okay. Would I like but... to have Phil and Craig on the podcast? Right. Yes. And, and there's an open invitation anytime we're ready. Totally. But, yeah, that's not going to happen. Well, and I don't want to name names or disparage any other websites because I think they all really do a great job in their own ways. But we certainly are not cheerleading in the way some other websites are, too. Uh, you know, we have objective coverage of stuff, and if there's bad news about Apple, or if Apple makes a misstep, or if we don't like a product, uh, and we'll say it in a review. I mean, we're, we're pretty honest. We all like Apple products. We like the the, the company. Uh, we're fans of what they do, but nobody's perfect. Certainly not Apple. And that's why when you listen here on the podcast, I know there's a lot of people in the iTunes reviews that complain about negativity or something on the podcast. It's not negativity. It's just being objective and being fair about it. Well, even-handed, right? This, right. For, for you, you have a journalism background, and this is a journalistic endeavor. Right. And uh, journalism for you is about reporting facts as you know them. Right. And, 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 and even when it comes to rumor reporting, the facts are there is a rumor. Here's what the rumor says. We don't know unless it's confirmed by a source that we know. Which is why in this packaging story, I make it very clear that it could be easily faked. And I say that repeatedly throughout the story because I don't want a reader to go through this and come away with the impression that this is actually legitimate. I have no way of proving it. Yeah, it's not here's what we know. It's we know that this is a label that could be. Right, exactly. So, you know, we do the best job that we can, but when it comes to the rumors game, who knows? And when when you look at stuff like next year's iPhone, even when people like Gruber are saying, you know, almost sci-fi sounding stuff like we're going to hide the camera and the earpiece and the home button behind the screen some way, something that's not being done in any current consumer product, certainly not something you hold in your hand. 
that's where I, I, I get concerned because, it, again, it's our own expectations and our own unrealistic, lofty ideas of what a product should or could be uh, that may not even be physically possible. And especially well, now, some of those things are not impossible, right? You know, if you think back to the 2008 MacBook, the 13-inch unibody, where it was made out of aluminum, but you could see the LEDs through the aluminum because yeah. they had micro-drilled the surface yeah. for the battery gauge. Now, if you can micro-drill that, then you can micro-drill for other things. Like a camera? No, I don't think so. Like a speaker earpiece. Yes, for a speaker earpiece, but not for a camera. It would obscure the camera. Correct. So I I don't know how that's going to work or if it's going to happen. I remain skeptical, even though it came from a guy like Gruber, who, as you said, is, you know, one of the uh, most. Let's say he's well-regarded and well-liked for reasons. Yeah, exactly. And and, uh, and Apple certainly likes him. And when he says stuff, it tends to be uh, pretty accurate. And so maybe that will come to pass. But, you know, my conversation with this guy from The New York Times, it was just I was just making the point that. Um, while yes, having the headphone news out there for the last year may have helped to soften the blow. Um, it also just the nature of the game creates unrealistic expectations sometimes for products. Like there was a rumor this week that the 2017 iPhone, uh, going to be a big redesign supposedly will also have a retina scanner to, uh, check your eyeball and then verify that iris scanner, if you will. Yes. Iris scanner. Uh, will will uh, identify you that way in addition to your fingerprint or maybe in in place of it. I don't know. Um, and that may not happen, and it may just be complete bunk nonsense. But you got to wonder how many people, especially Apple Insider readers, are hearing about this 2017 all-glass OLED screen redesign and saying, ah, I'm just going to wait for next year. And you know that hurts their sales, and it's not good for business for them. Yeah. Now, we, we have a report, actually, about the 2017 and glass phone, right? It says that there's a, a, a manufacturer, a Taiwanese firm, Merli Automation, that is ready equipment for a curved glass chassis. And, you know, we don't know a whole lot more than that, except that the equipment should be shipped to Foxconn in the fourth quarter of 2016, according to a Chinese source, Commercial Times, quoted by Digitimes, right? right? So... Well, where, they, where there's smoke, there's fire on this stuff. And Ming-Chi Kuo, I know a lot of people like to disparage him, but he nailed everything that is coming to bear about this year's phone. Of course, we won't know until next Wednesday's event. But uh, everything that he said 10, 11 months ago, even longer ago than that, is true. And he is the one who was the first to report on the uh, 2017 all-glass iPhone. Now – uh, regarding this one, year's one ditching the headphone jack, I have a bit of a crackpot uh, out of left field theory, and I want to run it by you, see what you think. Um, what if the – because think about uh, the MacBook uh, and then the MacBook Pro both having the Force Touch uh, trackpad on it, right? So the the Force Touch trackpad on the MacBook makes sense because there's not much space in there. There's no room to physically click. They had to redesign the keyboard as well. Uh, it was a physical limitation. On the MacBook Pro, they didn't really have that physical limitation. They just kind of wanted to get the newest technology on there. Um, well, and and you also do it for for parts management. You know, we don't, we don't talk about SKU inventory management, but if you're also talking about parts management, you just ship the same trackpad. But we talked a little bit earlier about the iPad 4 versus the iPad 3 when they upgraded the processor and they also switched to the lightning port. So when they switched to the lightning port, they did nothing with the extra space inside the iPad. It was just empty space where the 30-pin connector used to be, even though they could save some space and could have done something with it or whatever. But why retool? So 
I, I wonder because this year they're going to get rid of the the headphone jack. Uh, they're going to have um, a, a s- speaker slash mic grill on the opposite side of the lightning port uh, to just give it an aesthetically uniform thing. Symmetry. But the rumor is that, and, and they also are, are supposed to have a new uh, capacitive touch home button that doesn't click. It just feels like it clicks just like the force touch trackpad. Both of those components could, in theory, save space and allow for entirely new designs, even though this year's phone is not expected to be radically thinner or to have an entirely new design. So what if they're ditching the headphone jack? This is my theory here. What if they're just ditching the headphone jack this year and allowing the, for lack of better word, uh, the, uh, allowing the iPhone 7 to be the scapegoat uh, with all of the bad press of uh, no headphone jack, you can't use your old headphones, whatever, so that when they introduce this game-changing, uh, super sexy, design in 2017 they've already got all that bad publicity out of the way a year ago everybody knows it's not going to have a headphone jack and everybody can focus on what a great phone it is what if they just are just saying well this year's phone will just get that that bad news out of the way so that way next year it won't affect it and because they might be afraid oh what if this you're you're just talking about the transitional strategy of getting around the the uh perception change right so they don't want to have next year's phone this great new design they've spent so much time working on the longest period they've had in between complete shakeups of iphone design um they don't want to have next year's phone be besmirched so to speak by the lack of a headphone jack being the big news and they don't want everybody focusing on that so what if they just decided even though they're not saving space and maybe not even putting in a bigger battery in this year what if they just decided to make the switch this year and pave the way for thinner phones in the coming years and just kind of have this year's phone be the way of getting the bad news out of the way just an idea i mean i don't know we're not going to know until next wednesday but it's just a, a theory i have it's not a terrible theory um, it certainly makes sense from the standpoint of people needing to have time to adapt and accept change in increments as opposed to all at once. Totally works from that standpoint. My question then is, practically speaking, mechanically speaking, are you suggesting that there's just going to be empty void inside the iPhone 7 that will be where things were that will not be taken advantage of? Yeah, we won't know until it's taken apart, but it wouldn't be unprecedented they did it before. Well, we'll know within 24 hours because iFix it'll be (laughs) on that, like hotcakes. But it's interesting because it's not unprecedented. Between the MacBook Pro and between the iPad 4, uh, they made these changes in the past and switched. Well, there have been voids in products in the past, too. Go back to the iPod Touch third generation, which I've brought up before, where they they were going to ship it with a camera, and the last minute did not ship it with a camera, Mm -hmm. and there was a nice camera-sized space inside the iPod third generation. Yeah, they had problems. They had bad parts that year, and uh, I I actually broke that story that year uh, that it wasn't going to have a camera when everybody was expecting it. And sure enough, when they opened it up, they found the space for it in there. So, Yeah. Now – my thought is with the fancy battery technology that's available from the good old 12-inch MacBook, would they fill the void with battery? That's a wild card that's been presented before, and it's a great idea because if Apple were to take the stage neck week and say, okay, we got rid of the headphone jack, but uh, between getting rid of the headphone jack and the movable home button, we now have added you know, X amount more battery capacity in addition to efficiencies made with the new A10 processor. So now you get an extra two, three hours of battery life out of your iPhone 7. I think people would be very happy with that. And I think a lot of people would gladly sacrifice the headphone jack to get another two, three hours of battery life. Absolutely. I know I would. 
Right. So we don't know until next Wednesday. And, and so it's all, you know, spitballing at this point. Nobody really knows. But the most interesting thing to me is going to be how they spin ditching the headphone jack, how they sell it to us. There are the obvious things like uh, uh, digital uh, quality sound, uh, the ability to have uh, – uh, 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 thinner designs and stuff like that. Then there are less known things like uh, how you could offload processing uh, to the phone and allow cheaper noise canceling headphones. So you don't have to drop $400 on your Bose quiet comfort or something. Um, you could have the phone actually do the noise canceling and other types of processing like that. And then there are wild cards like uh, the ability to squeeze in a bigger battery and that sort of stuff. So until Apple makes the announcement next week, we really don't know, but how they sell not having it, whether they include the adapter in the box, whether they bundle it with these rumored AirPods. That's the part that's the most interesting to me because this is something that is going to upset some people, whether people like it or not. Uh, I know that there are a lot of Apple fans who are, you know, they can do no wrong or whatever, but there are a lot of people that are going to be legitimately upset by ditching the headphone jack. They're going to be angry about it. And how they make that sell to the public, how they say this is worth it for you, this is in your best interest, and there may be some interim uh, headaches, but we're going to drag you into the future kicking and screaming. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they present it next week. Yeah. Now, I want to talk for a second. I want to change things because we're going to split this podcast into. We've talked about the iPhone 7. We've talked about the event. We're going to split it, and I'm going to put an ad read right here in the middle from one of our dear sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the rest of the things that we want to get to. So listen up. Casper is a sleep brand that created one perfect mattress sold directly to consumers. So you don't have to have commission-driven, you don't have to have inflated prices, and you don't have to have a weird showroom where you go in in the middle of the day and try and lie down on a bed and imagine what it would feel like to sleep at night, even though you're fully dressed lying down in a showroom with people looking at you awkwardly. Right? Right. You've done that, right? You've bought a bed, right? I actually have a Casper mattress. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. And you've got it since we started the podcast. I received it in January this year, yeah. And you said nothing. <laughs> I don't think they've been I a sponsor bet. since then. What the heck, man? So, all right, let's let's instead of talking about their 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 ad copy here, how how do you like it? It's great. Um one of the most convenient things was the delivery of it. Um they scheduled the time um and I was actually moving in that day to my apartment. I needed a bed that night and they were there 10 minutes early, ready to go, brought it up. Um, put it on the frame for me, and I had a bed that night, and it was awesome. Uh, I was very happy. And they have a return policy, too, on it. So if you get it and you don't like it, that you can actually you know, uh, get your money back and swap the mattress and try it. So people that are concerned about you know, um, going into the storeroom or whatever and trying it before they, before they use it, you have that luxury with a mattress, and they deliver it to you. So it's very easy, very convenient. Yeah, so so when you buy it, you have no risk. They give it for free delivery and free returns with a hundred night in home trial. So if you don't love it, they come and pick it up and they give you all your money back. And and basically, what they're saying is they know how important it is to to sleep on a mattress before you commit to it. So they make it easy to to not worry about that commitment. Now, this thing it was designed in house with a team of engineers spending thousands of hours developing the mattress, and it has springy latex and supportive memory foam. So basically what they're telling you is, is that it's going to have just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce to it, and it's going to be breathable, so you're not going to get too hot sleeping on it. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm very happy with it. 
they they want us to make sure we tell you that Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. That they have free shipping and returns to both U.S. and Canada, and that as I said before, you know you can try it for 100 nights risk free in your home, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it back up and refund you everything. And it's made in America. Now. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com with the slash insider and using the offer code, which is that that slash insider there. So it's casper.com slash insider. And their prices are about $500 for a twin mattress, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. I am really glad to hear you that you like it. That is very cool. Yeah. So... Besides besides all of the iPhone rumors, we have one Mac rumor, right? So we Intel shed some details. They released information about the seventh generation KB Lake processors, and uh, I think Asus released a laptop yesterday at IFA that ships with KB Lake and a part of it. It's a very very thin laptop. Um, it looks as if KB Lake is suitable so far for MacBook and MacBook Air, but what what does that leave us with the MacBook Pro, Neil? It's possible they haven't announced the. Um, they have not announced the uh, uh, availability of mobile versions of these processors yet, but and, and this hasn't happened in years, but it has happened before where Intel has provided early access to chips to Apple. Uh, so it is still entirely possible that this fall's anticipated MacBook Pro update will ship with the latest generation Intel processors, uh, and maybe they'll get them earlier than other manufacturers. Uh, one reason to believe that that could possibly happen, I have no reason to believe that it will uh, with certainty, but a possibility is app, uh, Intel is supposedly very, very interested in getting in on the ARM uh, processing business for Apple and their iPhone. And they are the largest chip maker in the world, and they now have ARM certification to produce ARM chips. So the rumor is that they want to start muscling in on uh, Taiwan manufacturing. Well, they already muscled in on the modem business, right? Right, yeah. So they want to get in on that, and the rumor is that they want to muscle out Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, which is the current leading chip maker for um, iPhones. And it would not be unprecedented for Apple to switch foundries because they did it before from Samsung to TSMC. So uh, it, you could see a scenario where Intel, because the Mac is you know a limited subset of PCs sold, um, you could see a scenario where Intel might throw a deal to Apple in hopes of winning some favor with them for future iPhones. That wouldn't be that out of left field for me. Right. So the KB Lakes that were uh, shown are the integrated models. They're the the U-series processors that have the integrated graphics in them. And Intel claims nine and a half hours of 4K video playback is possible from laptops shipping with the processor. But they have not yet shown the uh, the S-series suitable for iMacs, MacBook Pros, and other high-end deployments. Well, you said there was one Mac story this week. There's actually another, um, and this one's very interesting to me because uh, Bloomberg reported that Apple is working on a standalone 5K monitor for Macs. Uh, they also are uh, working on Pro software features for the iPad that will presumably come next year, not not this year. And they also said that the MacBook Air surprisingly, is going to get an update. So the common wisdom was that the MacBook Air was dead, uh, basically a legacy product that was going to hang around uh, and sell at a lower price point as Apple transitions consumers to the 12-inch MacBook. 
Um, this would suggest that at the very least, the current MacBook Air chassis will get some form of a processor spec bump. I would be very surprised if they redesigned it or gave it a retina display or anything like that, because I think they want to drive the ultra-thin uh, uh, 12-inch MacBook. But um, it was also said that... Uh, the iMac and uh, MacBook Pro are going to get AMD graphics this fall. The new MacBook Air will switch to USB-C ports. So, uh, yeah, it, it will be very interesting still, to see the playoffs. We're still missing out of this two Macintoshes in the lineup. The Mac Mini and the Mac Pro? Yes, sir. Uh, too bad? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's, it seems very obvious. That are Mac those missing. dead products? What? I, I mean... It's very, it's especially bizarre with the Mac Pro, considering all the fanfare they gave it when they released that thing in 2013, and now you know. Wasn't that the Phil Schiller "Innovate My Ass" comment? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing there. I have, I have to think that both of them are going to get updated at some point. But the Mac Mini gets updated so infrequently, and obviously the Mac Pro has been stagnant for a while. Uh, Apple's entire MacBook lineup is long in the, or Mac lineup, I should say, is long in the tooth right now. Um, and it is desperately in need of some updates. So, um, this fall we're expecting new MacBook Pros. Um, whether or not this 5K monitor or MacBook Air or iMac come out, uh, we will see. There have been no rumors of a new i uh, Mac Pro or a new Mac Mini this fall that I've heard. So, I think most of the focus is going to be on this new MacBook Pro with a thinner design, USB-C ports, and this uh, OLED touch bar uh so-called uh dynamic function row which uh actually there was uh someone dug into the latest release of apple's pages word processor and found a mention of a dynamic function row in there presumably confirming the name of it um and the idea is when you open certain apps uh the different functions will show up where the uh the functions keys used to be the physical keys now it will be virtual keys and so it will dynamically change based on what app you have open yeah, and there's some debate over whether or not that's going to be annoying or not. I yeah. just in terms of not having a physical key for things like the escape key or your volume keys or your brightness keys for your laptop display. Yeah, I think that uh, there will be some advantages to it that would be interesting. For example, uh, scrubbing on videos or music would be much better with a touch bar. Uh, adjusting the volume, just sliding it up and down like that, better with a touch bar. Uh, for physical buttons that sometimes you just want to slam on an anger, like an escape key or the power key, maybe not. Uh, but the rumor also is that the power key will remain physical and have a touch ID sensor in it, uh, for authentication. So we'll see. Yeah. You know, I, I want to talk about this two terabyte iCloud storage option. So Apple debuted a new two terabyte iCloud storage option, and it's going to sell for nineteen dollars and ninety nine cents per month, and or or a twenty five Canadian or three hundred and forty nine Mexican. Um, it, it was a quiet update, right? They just kind of put it up on the the website, and it's live for North America, EMEA, and Asia Pacific regions. And people are using this to to add fuel to the fire for a 256 gig iPhone. Right. I mean, the justification for that is what? The the iPhone takes 4K video and takes a lot of, of high-resolution pictures, and so it totally makes sense to have that large an option. Is that what they're thinking? I mean, I guess if you're a pro user with a 256 iPad and a Pro and a 256 uh, iPad, iPhone 7 Plus or whatever, 
you know, that's already a half a terabyte right there just to back up your devices. I mean, the the Verge ran a story saying that, oh my God, there's a two terabyte option. It must be a 256 gig iPhone, right? That was that was their big thing from yesterday that I read. And I got to tell you, I, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think using this as the justification for this is dumb. And I'm going to tell you why. The reason that we have a two terabyte option is not related to the iPhone directly. It's not about that, guys. The reason that we have a two terabyte option is because at WWDC, Apple told us Mac OS Sierra is going to do this neat trick where it's going to look at your documents and things you haven't used recently, things on your desktop, things in your documents folder, stuff that you don't even need hanging around because you haven't touched it in months. They're going to go ahead and upload that to the cloud and re-download it for you when you need it. Right? Correct. You with me, Neil? Yes. Yeah. So, basically, years and years and years ago, Steve Jobs met with the folks over at Dropbox, and he tried to buy Dropbox, and Dropbox famously turned him down, saying, no, we think there's still life in this yet. We'll still make more of it. And Jobs told them, "Uh, that's cool and all. Go ahead and have fun. But you guys are a feature, not a product. And at that time, .Mac and iCloud were, were pretty poor options and hadn't been developed yet and hadn't really been figured out yet. But by going ahead and automatically making it so that all you have to do is pay a monthly fee and all of your stuff is available and offloads from your hard drive so you don't ever end up in a position like I do and like millions of other people do where your hard drive is full and you don't have time to sort it out and figure out what to delete, this takes care of it for you. Brilliant. Right, it's a it's a feature, but it's a fantastic feature, and we know why it exists. It exists because people fill up their SSDs on their computers, right? Well, and it makes it easier to to migrate between devices too. I mean, yes. Think about think about if your hard drive crashed just five years ago, even uh, what a disaster it was. Versus now, if your hard drive crashes, it's like meh. Yeah. If you were to drop well, your phone in in the toilet and it were to get ruined. You have it all backed up to iCloud. It just downloads it all, your videos, your photos, your apps, your settings, everything. You're good to go. Uh, if you use Dropbox or uh, Time Machine Backup or if you use something like iTunes Match or Apple Music and your hard drive crashes, you know, I mean, back in the day, I used to have, you know, all my video files, all of my music files, everything saved on my computer because you couldn't fit it on an iPod or anything like that. It, there's no way it could store it all. And if that hard drive died, that was the end of all of my stuff. Now I have iTunes Match. All my iTunes movie purchases are synced up in the cloud. All my RIP movies that I backed up are saved to Dropbox. Um, everything is all backed up and presumably uh, with redundancies on their end. And so I could literally chuck my laptop out the window. And other than the cost of replacing the hardware, all of my data is backed up. Yeah. So I want to, first of all, that that's very similar to the pitch that Google makes with the Chromebook, right? Right. Is that your stuff's all on their cloud. You pitch the Chromebook, you just get another one. Well, remember when you used to use IMAP mail and all your mail was stored locally? Uh, no, IMAP is, it's all on the server. Popmail is... Uh, pop, I'm sorry, there you go. Remember when you used Popmail and all your mail was stored locally? Like, now, all your mail is in the cloud. Everybody just goes to gmail.com. You can go on a library computer, you can go on a friend's computer, you can go on anybody else's stuff and get all your mail. It's all there. And they give you 20 gigs of storage, so you're fine. Totally. And, and the reason that... Um, we're doing this. The reason why Apple's doing this. So this is a part of a very long, long-term plan, and longer than most people realize. Let's let's go back to 1998. 
Steve Jobs was new at Apple, first WWDC after his joining Apple. And he had kind of a town hall where he sat down on the, the edge of the stage and took questions from people. And people were at that time worried about things like OpenDoc and, oh my God, what was he doing to, to Mac OS 7 and Mac OS 8, right? That's, that's the context. Is it's, it's aeons ago as far as computing is concerned. And <laughs> bless you. At that time, he, he laid out a vision for the future. And he said, listen, guys, you're, you're talking about stuff that doesn't matter, right? He says, I'm, when I sit down at my computer... I never have to worry about data loss. Everything of mine is already backed up automatically every hour, and I don't think about it. And he was talking about Time Machine essentially about, give or take, eight years before Time Machine launched. And that's where we got to with Time Machine. Well, a long time ago back then, we had this ability, and we still have it now, although very few people do it, called netbooting, right? right. Where as a part of your booting options, you, you boot off of a network drive. And when you go into your, your local Apple store and your genius wants to diagnose or your tech specialist wants to diagnose your computer, one of the things they can do is plug in a Thunderbolt cable and boot off of a network drive on their network. They'll plug in the Thunderbolt to, to, um, to gigabit Ethernet adapter and they'll netboot off of a drive that they know to be good to test if your hardware is okay. And what we're talking about is essentially coming close to the point where you could, it's not yet, but if all of your, your user stuff is stored both in the cloud and local, we're not that far from that point where Steve was, where back then he was network booting off of a drive that was at Apple headquarters. Right. Right. And doing it over a secured VPN at the time kind of thing. You know, pe people don't remember, but, but Steve Jobs' house... His residence was an all-wired installation. It was not Wi-Fi. And part of that was for speed, and part of it was for security. Because you can certainly, at, at the time, you know, 802.11b in 2000, you could get the uh, secure password and, and hack it. And it became harder over time. But Ethernet was secured, unless you plugged into the switch somehow. Right? You had to physically be there to, to Trojan it, to, to, to make it vulnerable. Um, so we're going to get to a point where all of our stuff is backed up all the time, where all of our stuff is backed up all the time and available everywhere, mm -hmm. where all of our stuff is backed up and available all the time, everywhere, and local storage does not matter. Right. Yep. This is a long path, but it starts back from that 1998 town hall kind of meeting at WWDC where he took questions and laid out that... You, your your local machine should eventually not matter at all. Yeah, I mean, you can see all the pieces in place and where it's going. It's obvious if you're thinking big picture because iCloud Drive, iCloud Backup, syncing, uh, a lot of the changes coming this year in Sierra, including all the files on your desktop and uh, being automatically available in the cloud and all your uh, less frequently used files being cached on the store on the server rather than on the local drive. And then also using your Apple Watch to log in on your Mac. Now imagine a future five, maybe ten years down the road where the device that you always have on you, like let's say an Apple Watch that has authenticated your identity, whether through your heart rate or its own fingerprint sensor or a, a iris scanner or whatever it has five, ten years from now. Uh, now knows that you are who you claim you are. You can go to any terminal anywhere, any computer, any screen, any iPad, any Mac, any TV, any whatever you want, 
And because it knows that it's you and it has verified securely that it is you, you log in with no real effort. And now all of your files, all of your applications, all of your settings, all of everything that you use in your digital life are now instantly available to you. That's the future we're getting to. That's the one we want. That's where it's going. I, I think... Uh, everybody is trying to get there in different ways, whether it's Google and the Chromebook uh, and having all your stuff in the cloud or Microsoft and their cloud services or or Apple and their hardware-based approach you know, in the marriage with software. But, you know, it's interesting. I was at the Apple store the other day and I was uh, – um, I was getting my phone swapped out. Uh, I had like some battery issues and the earpiece. I couldn't really hear through it. So they gave me a new 6S. And while I was sitting there waiting, they have, it's the new one in Williamsburg and they have that giant video board screen and they show all the products uh, on the screen. And even though Mac OS and iOS are still kind of worlds apart in terms of the functionality that they offer, um, the way that Apple is presenting them uh, is basically as a unified platform. And so they kept showing the 12-inch MacBook up there. And every app shown on the screen of the 12-inch MacBook was being done in full-screen mode or with the split options that mimic what iOS does. And it was interesting to me because they're not showing windows being dragged around, little windows, the the way most people use their Mac. They were showing it with the multi-touch gestures of switching between apps just like you would do on an iPad and using apps in full screen mode just like you would do on an iPad. And then, of course, when they switched over to showing iPads on the screen, they were being used in the same way, all the full screen and then, you know, slide over and uh, split screen mode and picture in picture and all that kind of stuff. So they're really presenting the MacBook and new Macs as these devices that work very much the same way as your iPad does, even though with the legacy and uh, multitasking capabilities and horsepower of a Mac, you can well, do a lot. And, and our user training, we're conditioned to use them that way. Right. So they're looking for new users to use them more like you would an iPad, full screen, split screen mode, You know, not using the dock so much, that kind of stuff. It's interesting. Wild. We're going to have to talk about governments and Apple again. <laughs> We're going to have to. Now, there there are really two things that I'm going to bring up here. One is a short one, right? And this is just a comment. Um, this past week, Jim Comey, director of the FBI, said that it is time now that, that the dust has settled and people have quieted down about the encryption debate, that it's now is the time to have an adult conversation. Oh, yeah. About encryption. Right. And, and so... You know, the valid question is, is so, so who's, if, if he's the adult, who's the child here? Is, <laughs> is it, is Apple the child for having made an issue of it? Or is the FBI a child for not letting go once it's already been decided? Yeah, this, this whole thing is, is absurd. And, you know, they're not going to stop pushing it because, you know, they want to keep people safe. And I think that, uh, they are well intentioned. I don't think that the FBI wants to do this just for the sake of doing it. Uh, but, uh, you know, they say about the road to hell. Uh, so I, I think that I think that Comey wants to do the right thing here and keep people safe and keep people protected. But that's a conversation that uh, and an adult conversation that we need to have as a country of what level are we willing to give up our freedoms in order to keep us safe. And so the pendulum swings on that over the years and things change. After September 11th, 2001, uh, the country was very willing to give up their freedoms in order to keep us safe because we saw the worst uh, attack on the United States that had ever taken place. 
And so uh, people were willing to give up some freedoms, and that led to the Patriot Act and other things. And then as the years went on and people thought about it a little more and we got a little further from September 11th, uh, people weren't as comfortable with it. And you saw the pendulum swing back and people say that they didn't want to give up those freedoms and they wanted to have their liberties back. And so – you know, I think that we're still kind of in that place right now where most people are not really comfortable giving the government that much access and that much control. And I, I think that that is where the PR battle that Apple's been winning and the FBI has been losing is, is really where we're at. Also in the news, and this has been one that we've, we've heard a lot about in the past couple of days, is that the EU has issued a tax edict that that says that Apple owes a $14.5 billion tax bill that is a, a retroactive bill. Um, now, what's, what's interesting here is that Ireland and Apple have been in a relationship for a long time. In, in 1980, Steve Jobs went over and set up the first Irish office, and Apple has been present in Ireland ever since. And Apple has worked with with Ireland to arrange whatever deals they have in place and complied with them. So they've complied with the local government. And the EU is coming in and saying that the Irish what, what Ireland has arranged with Apple is not correct. And that it's it's so so some of the commentary that I've been seeing about this suggests that um, it's it's not about whether or not Apple complied with what Ireland said was okay, that it's really about what the EU thinks should be fair. Right. That this is a, a commentary about uh, an edict about what's fair for Apple to pay, and you know, as, as an American, my my initial inclination is that whatever Apple arranged with the government and complied with is is what is fair, and that retrospectively, Apple's paid. Therefore, you know, they they paid what they were asked to pay. Job done. That if if Ireland wishes to change what the rules are going forward, okay, that's a different thing. But uh, but to go back retrospectively and say, you know, even though you paid what you were assessed as owed and, and assessed as due, um, that's not right. We need more is is incorrect. The other thing that bothers me is the idea that the the EU, the people in Brussels are deciding for Ireland that what Ireland's doing is wrong. And Ireland disagrees. I mean, you know, the idea is that, yes, they're a union, but don't the individual countries have sovereignty? Don't they get to set their own tax law? It's a very strange issue. I'm certainly not a tax expert or a lawyer on the subject, but as you say, to decide, well, retroactively, you should have been paying more taxes for that period uh, kind of has a bad stench to me. I, I see that, and I think, what are you? What, what exactly are you thinking here? Where is this appropriate? I mean, well, once – so, so – once you decide that that someone owes, right? It's all a matter of deciding what they owe. But if if the bill's been considered paid in full, you can't suddenly say no, it's not. Well, they want to slap Apple with a fourteen point five billion U.S. tax bill. Um, that is a, not a small amount of money. Uh, it would bankrupt many large corporations. Uh, Apple has some $230 billion in cash. So it's uh, <laughs> almost almost literally uh, couch cushion change for Tim Cook. So they could pay this, but they're going to fight it, and they should, because you can't be levied a tax and follow the tax laws and then 
have a country retroactively decide to charge you taxes that they think they should have been paid, or even not even the country, a, a governing agency that is has some control there. The whole thing's crazy. Like if you look at when Apple got questioned for its taxes in the U.S. Um, and they had to appear before Congress. Congress wasn't happy about Apple's effective tax rate, but there wasn't anything they could do about it because Apple was complying with all the laws. Yeah. So there is an appeals process that's that's out there and that, that Apple and the Irish government are looking into pursuing. Um, if the appeals process fails, the debt becomes, instead of 14.5, becomes as much as 21.9 or something like that. Still a very easy amount for Apple to pay. They're going to fight this on principle. Uh, they're, from their comments, they are confident that they will be able to win in an appeal. But Apple was also very confident they were going to win an appeal on the iBooks antitrust suit, and that didn't work out. So it's hard to say at this point where this is going to go. Um, you know, common sense would say that this fine will be knocked down some level uh, just because it's a very large amount. But there's also an air of uh, uh, nationalism and regionalism, I suppose, here that goes on as well. Yeah. Where And I want to read that. I want to read from, from Cook's quote yeah. because he spoke to the, uh, the Irish Independent. And it says, I think that Apple was targeted here, Cook said. I think that um, – I think that, and he's referring to anti-U.S. sentiment, is one reason why we could have been targeted. People in leadership positions in several countries tell me this is the agenda. I don't know where that comes from, but what I feel strongly about is that this decision was politically based. Of that, I'm very confident. There is no reason for it in fact or in law. And, and Cook agrees with comments made by the U.S. Secretary of Treasury, Jack Liu, who said that the tax ruling is a blatant grab at taxes owed to the U.S. government. And Cook says, I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a desire to reallocate taxes that should be paid in the U.S. to the EU. Yeah, it's it's a very weird process going on here, and they've targeted other companies too. They've targeted Starbucks um, and some other American companies, and they've all been American companies. Um, and I think that that's just a part of it. There's a resentment about companies that aren't headquartered necessarily, but set up in places where countries give them advantageous tax uh, deals. But this was an agreement that both Ireland and Apple thought was was fair. Uh, they both came to terms on this deal. And I think really at the end of the day is between Apple and, and Ireland. I think it's their their dispute to settle, but apparently not. <laughs> what do I know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've been in Ireland for 37 years. They've got a huge data center that they've been building out in Cork. They've got a, a data center that they've received approval for to build in Athenry in County Galway. They are, they're, they're sticking with Ireland. And, and Ireland, you know, Apple wasn't always easy to stick with and support, right? There were dark years for Apple. And through it all, Ireland and Apple have, have had this, this deep relationship. Now, Turkey, for their part, because, you know, why miss an opportunity, right? Um, the deputy prime minister of Turkey extended an open invitation for Apple to move its international operations to Turkey in the wake of this EU ruling, which is basically saying, Turkey, you know, we're, we're not a part of the EU. We don't have to deal with the bureaucracy. Please come. Why not? <laughs> uh, clearly, I, I doubt that that would happen, right? Apple has stores in Istanbul, has dealt with the Turkish government in the past, but I, I would suggest that it's unlikely. Yes, please move to- your European operations to a country that had an attempted coup not too long ago. Well, there's that. Although you got to say the the coup was uh, was was routed thanks to FaceTime. My parents had a flight out of Turkey uh, two days before that started. But but this is our modern world, right? Where where Erdogan 
stops the coup by getting on FaceTime and then broadcasting the FaceTime conversation to the people. It's it's a bizarre modern world that we live in. Yeah, yes, it is. No, Apple is not going to move to Turkey. Apple's not leaving Ireland anytime soon. Even if Turkey, even if Apple did move to Turkey, Turkey could become a part of the EU. They in, they want in to a become a year. Want to become well, of course, because there are huge benefits to doing so. Right. So you know, all, all of the trade with all of the other countries in the EU becomes easy. And it's something that England is rapidly finding out as they try and deal with the fallout from Brexit. <sighs> Man. This is a a issue that, in the end, isn't going to matter very much to Apple. IBM just settled a tax dispute with Japan, and it took seven years for it to settle. So we will be talking about this story for a long time. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Apple is going to fight it tooth and nail. Uh, whether they have some success remains to be seen. But in the end, if they need to pay it, and they pay it five, seven years from now, they'll probably by that point have doubled their cash to over $500 billion. So at that point, it'll be even less of a bill to them. Well, I hope you're right. And if you're right, we'll find out about it seven years from now on the Apple Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Marks. Joining me has been managing editor of Apple Insider, Neil Hughes. Neil, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can read my stuff on appleinsider.com. Be sure to check in uh, all, all of the next coming days and up to, leading up to next Wednesday. Uh, we will be there live next Wednesday uh, in San Francisco uh, for at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium for Apple's unveiling of whatever they're going to unveil. But uh, between you and me, iPhone 7, iPhone 7 Plus, Apple Watch 2, uh, don't expect any Macs next week. But that's what we're looking at. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I am on there at this is Neil, and I am newly verified, so you will know it's actually me. How did that happen? I thought they denied you. They denied me, and then they changed their mind and verified me, so I am now a verified Twitter user. Wow. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very, I'm gonna, I hope all this power goes to my head. I'm sure that it will. <laughs> I'm positive of that. Now, I want to make sure that I let you know, dear listener, if you genuinely like the podcast— it would be a huge, I mean, it would be a huge help if you subscribed and left a rating and review. I know it seems insignificant, but it helps way more than you think. And and please feel free to give Neil and I feedback. I'm at VMarks on Twitter. Neil's at this, uh, this is Neil. This, this is Neil underscore, isn't it? No, no underscore, just this is Neil, no, N-E-I-L. This is, at this is Neil. Right. Make sure to give us your feedback. And please, if, it, if you genuinely like it, if you enjoy it, I mean, if you don't really like it and you just listen because you're, you're torturing yourself, I understand. But if you genuinely like it, please, please leave us ratings and reviews. Uh, it helps us way more than you think. Thank you. This has been episode 84. We'll talk to you next week.